And for those of you who don't know, I have been in my, uh, I just started a series actually last week uh, talking about spiritual warfare. That is something that each and every one of us have to deal with as believers. We have to deal with spiritual warfare. And uh, last week, uh, we had, we had a, a visitor here last week and, uh, you know, a person that I had kind of ran across and uh, just to, to show you how the Lord moves. And she was just kind of going through some things and some battles in her own right. And she happened to walk in on the Sunday that we was talking about spiritual warfare, which she was under spiritual attack. And she was tremendously ministered to. And one of the things that I love about the Lord, and there's so many things I love about the Lord. But one of the things I definitely love about the Lord is that the Lord knows where we are. He knows what we're going through and he knows exactly what we need. Now, he may not always give you what you want. But he will always give you what you need. Amen. And so we can be thankful for that. So, Father, we just thank you for this word. And, Father, I pray that I will greatly decrease, that your spirit in me might increase. Father, have your way. Speak to us, Lord. Father, we come against every a hindrance in the spirit realm that would try to hinder the flow of this message. And we pray, Father, that this message will fall on good ground and that it will bring forth fruit, Father, for your glory. We thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week when we talked about spiritual warfare, we had talked about uh, the fact of having on your, your, the full armor, having the full armor of God on, how important that was to have on our armor. We identified the fact that we are uh, in spiritual warfare. We talked about how the enemy, how he goes about like a roaring lion and he's always seeking to devour us. He's always seeking to destroy our lives. And so I, I thought that it would be an injustice if we not only identified the fact that we are in spiritual warfare, but to really kind of detail, you know, the tactics of the enemy and how does the enemy work? I mean, how do you know that what you're going through is just not something that just a natural course of events that you happen to be going through versus a spiritual attack? How can you tell the difference? We're going to talk about that today. How many like NFL football? I love football. Hallelujah. Bless God. I'm not ashamed to talk about it. One of the teams that I absolutely hate is the New England Patriots. I hate them because they win all the time. But if you're an average sports fan like I am, whether or not they, they win all the time, whether you like them or you don't like them or whatever the case might be, one of the things that you can appreciate or you have to appreciate is Tom Brady. Tom Brady, if Tom Brady never threw another touchdown, he would probably go down in the Hall of Fame as one of the greatest quarterbacks that has ever played the game. And last week, last Sunday, I believe, Sunday night, they were playing the Buffalo Bills. Now, the Buffalo Bills are a very mediocre team, you know, to say the least. And, and it was something funny as I was watching that game and I heard the announcers, they were talking about Tom Brady. He said, well, you know, last night I had an opportunity to sit down and we, we talked with Tom Brady. And Tom Brady had to cut the meeting short because Tom, here's what Tom Brady said. Now, mind you, they're playing against the Buffalo Bills. It's not a very, very good team. But Tom Brady says something that leaped in my spirit. When I heard this, I said, that's the key to his success. Tom Brady said, I'm going to go home. He said, I got to leave because I got to go home and I'm going to watch every game that the Buffalo Bills 
have played all year with emphasis, obviously, on the defense. In other words, he's going to watch all their games that the defense played. Why? Because Tom Brady wants to understand their methodology. He wants to understand, you know, the weakness and the the strength of the defense. And in order to do that, then you have to study. You have to know your opponent. And so here's a man that's won three Super Bowls who got all this success. One would think that he have a tendency because a lot of people, you know, they get a little bit successful and they tend to do what? They tend to get a little lax and tend to take things for granted. Tom Brady is still just as if he never won a Super Bowl. And so when you and I see him perform on the field, we think, man, they make it look so easy. But it's not easy. Here's a man that put in the work so that he can understand the tactics of that defense. Because he knows that this defense is coming at him. And if I'm going to defeat this defense, if I'm going to overcome, then i got to understand their strength and their weaknesses. And so if they line up this way, I'm going to hit them with a slant pass this way. Or if they line up seven inside the box, I'm going to hit them with a screen pass. If they show me man-to-man coverage, then I'm going to hit them with a deep pass or random moss. In other words, I am going to find out because I know that as long as this game is on, it's a war out here. And Tom Brady's attitude is, I am going to win. As it is in football, in Tom Brady, so should it be with us. You see, you have an enemy out there. His name is the devil. And the devil, he has a planned attack. Now, how many know that the devil has many, many schemes? He's been at this for hundreds and thousands of years. And he has a plan of attack. And if you and I are going to be, are going to overcome in spiritual warfare, then we got to understand our enemy. So many Christians are laying down wounded on the battlefield of life, having been hit and whipped by the devil and have no idea that the devil have attacked them. They have no idea. You know, their thought is, well, things just kind of happen. Let me tell you something. Anytime, in particular, when you talk about that you want to start living for God and you want to start serving his purpose, you can best believe that the enemy is going to come after you because he don't like anything about you. He wants to destroy your life. And so if we're going to be people that overcome in spiritual warfare, then we got to understand how, how the enemy works. And we talked about the fact that Tom Brady, all the time and preparation that he put into it, What kind of spiritual disciplines do we have that help us to be able to overcome in spiritual warfare? Things like Bible reading, things like prayer and things like fellowship with other believers. Just like you see, these are our weaponry. This is how we prepare ourselves. And I would venture out to say if you're very casual about prayer. Reading your Bible. Then. Chances are that the enemy is going to have a field day with you. Because you see, you you don't really, you haven't really taken the time to study and prepare yourself for him. Because trust me, he's coming at you. But I have good news. The Bible says, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So here's the good news about that that's unlike Tom Brady in a football game is that the Bible have already declared that we have the victory. But how many know that you have skirmishes and route to your victory? 
And many of us don't really understand that we really have the victory in Jesus Christ. The enemy knows that, and that's why he is so mad at you. That's why he wants to do everything to, to stop the move of God, wherever the move of God is. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter number 14 in the Old Testament. We're going to talk here in a moment about the tactics of Satan. But before we do that, I thought it would be very fitting if we talk about the personality of the devil. So you can understand him. The personality of Satan. Isaiah chapter number 14. And here in Isaiah chapter 14. Isaiah the prophet is prophesying, speaking prophetically. And this particular passage of scripture has a double meaning. Because it's a prophecy against the king of Babylon. But Isaiah, in a prophetic way, began to deal with the spirit behind the king of Babylon, which is the spirit of Satan. Now, look what it says in Isaiah chapter number 14, verse number 12. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground. You who weaken the nations for you have said in your heart. Now, here's what Satan has said in his heart. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the furthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I will be like the most high. And so the first thing that we understand about the devil is that he's very prideful. The Bible says that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And as you read that particular scripture, one of the things that jump out at you right away is that the devil is all about himself. He keeps saying, I will. I will do this. I will ascend in heaven. I will do this. What is the ultimate goal of the devil? He wants to be like God. That is what he's after. That is his whole thing because, well, jump with me to Revelation chapter 12. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures. And if you you can't get there with me, then just jot them down because I'm going to be rolling this morning. Amen. Because I got some stuff I want to share and I want to get it to you because I want you to see it for yourself. I want you to read it because I want you to know the word. Revelation chapter number 12, verse number 7. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out that serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceived the whole world. Listen to this. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to death. Look at verse 12. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. For the devil has come down to you. Listen to this. Having great wrath. 
because he knows that he has but a short time. And so the enemy, the devil, if you read Ezekiel 28, and I won't go there for time's sake, there's a prophecy about Satan and how that Satan, because of his pride and because of his arrogance and because of the fact that he wanted to be like God, he thought that he was looked, he was better looking than all the other angels. And the Bible says that when he fell, he took a third of the angels with him. And so somewhere between the creation of the angels or Satan and Genesis chapter three, when the devil comes into the garden, there was a fall in heaven. And if you read and study the book of Revelation, you will understand that Revelation is not necessarily written in chronological order. But what he describes here in Revelation chapter 12 is that there was a war in heaven. And there was, there, was, there was a war and Satan was wanting to overthrow God and God kicked him out of heaven. And the interesting thing he says is the woe unto us because the devil has come down. And the Bible says he come down on this earth and he's mad and he's full of wrath because he knows that his time is short. And so we understand that he's, he's full of pride. He's all about himself. He talked about how that he wants to ascend Above the throne of God. You see, it's all about him. We talked last week about the fact, the second part of his personality is that he is a liar. Jump with me over to John chapter number 8. The gospel of John chapter number 8. Here Jesus is in a debate. and We're going to be looking at verse number 42. Jesus is in a debate, in a debate with the Pharisees. The Pharisees are questioning Jesus' authority, basically calling him out. They're mad at Jesus because he's performing these miracles, and they want to know, by what authority are you doing these things? And so there's a heated discussion or a spirited discussion about Jesus and what he's doing, and the Pharisees don't like him. And so look at verse number 42 of John, the Gospel of John, chapter number 8. Jesus said to them, if God were your father... You would love me, for I proceeded forth and came from God. Nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. Listen to this. Verse 44. For those that would say Jesus was never direct, you can't get much more direct than this. Jesus looked at the, now the religious leaders and the Pharisees were those who were in authority. Those were the guys that were supposedly like the priests. They, 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 they went to school. They studied. Jesus is confronting them. And he says to them, you are of your father, the devil. And the desires of your father, you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. For he is a lie, a liar, and he is the father of lies. Now that is a pretty bold statement. Jesus looks at the Pharisees and he calls them, he says, you're of your father, the devil. Sometimes when you're dealing with evil spirits, the only way to deal with them is to be very, very direct. And Jesus said, you're of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father you want to do. He says that 
that he is the, the father of lies. We kind of touched on it last week. But when you think about the father of lies, that means that Satan, that when it comes to lying, he is the master at it. That nobody can lie and deceive like Satan. For an example, in 2 Corinthians, I won't turn there, verses 11 through 13, the Bible talks about how the Satan transforms himself into an angel of light. Now, when most people think of the devil, what do they think about? Come on, help me preach my sermon. Pitchfork? What else? Horns? Yeah. Right? We kind of see the picture of you got the angel on one side, you got the devil on the other side. It's like, who am I supposed to obey? Who am I going to obey? You know? But how many know that the devil is too crafty for that? He's been at this for years. The Bible says that, that Satan transforms himself into an angel of light. In other words, that Satan will come not in the way that you think he's going to come. See, Satan can be the spirit of Satan can be in your next door neighbor. He can be in the pulpit. He can come to church on Sunday. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I just love the Lord. Lift his hand to worship. Praise you, God. See, Satan, and see, one of the things about the spirit of Antichrist, the spirit of Satan, when the Antichrist comes, that's why he's going to be able to deceive everybody. Because it's not what you think. The devil is not out there with some red, with some red, a red suit and a pitchfork standing up there. You know, he, the devil is too crafty for that. And if you think you're going to find him there, you're going to get lost because he is not going to be there. But when the devil comes, he comes in a very conniving way. See, he comes. It's like I was, um, we was with a family the other day. And we were talking about, you know, uh, you know, various kinds of doctrines and how people come. And how that's important that you and I understand the word of God. And understand the truth. Because Satan will use people. And you know, and people will come and you know, they'll come dressed in a nice suit, knock on your door, and they say to you, Hey, I love the Lord. Won't you, you know, Jesus love you? And they all and they don't care about listen, they have been deceived. If you were to do an in-depth study of what their belief systems are, you will find out that it is not according to the truth. And so what the devil does is he comes, he's a religious spirit. He acts like he loves God. He looks like he's saved and sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost. He got a look on, but, but, but let me tell you something. He's not because he have his one agenda is to destroy your life. That's all that he wants to do. So he transformed himself into an angel of light. The Bible also says that Satan can perform lying wonders. For in Matthew 24, 24, for it says, for false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the very elect. And so just because a person is able to perform a miracle or do some kind of sign or wonder doesn't mean that it's of God. How many of the devil can do that too? You go back and read over in the book of Exodus how that Pharaoh was able to perform certain kinds of miracles. The Bible talks about lying wonders. And there are some people that are, that are always going around seeking for a sign. In fact, I know people 
that, you know, and, you know, I love, I think prophecy is good, it's in the Bible, but I know people that run up and down the road trying to find somebody who will prophesy over me. Or they're trying to find somebody who, would, who, who could do a sign or do some kind of miracle. I mean, know that if you read this, this, this should be your standard by which you follow. Your theology should not be based upon whether or not somebody can perform a sign or a miracle. Your theology should be based upon the word of God. You ought to test everything in light of what the Bible says. That's why it's important that we understand and we take time and we read this Bible. Get it down into our souls. Get it down into our spirits. Look at the second Thessalonians chapter number two. I want to show you something. Second Thessalonians chapter number two. Amen. I just jumped right over back to first Thessalonians. Okay. Look at this. Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse number eight. And then the lawless one will be revealed. The lawless one is the Antichrist who's coming according to the work of Satan, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs and lying wonders and with all unrighteousness. Deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. That they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And so because. These people refuse the love of the truth or they refuse to believe Jesus Christ and take him at his word. The Bible says that God will send them strong delusion. Now, it's not to say that God is out there. He wanted to mislead and deceive people. No, that's not what this passage is saying. But strong delusion, meaning that when people reject Jesus Christ and his son, then God is going to allow the enemy who is Satan himself. And he's going to be able to perform certain kinds of miracles and signs and wonders. How I many you watch TV sometimes you hear people say, oh, I saw this sign in the sky. Oh, I saw this. Oh, I saw that. I heard one time a lady talked about um, how that she had this, uh, uh, this uh, I guess she died and then she had this out of body kind of experience, right? Now, here's where you know where you got to understand the word of God. And this lady was talking and she said, you know, I died and all of a sudden I was in the presence of Jesus. And you know what Jesus told me? He said, it really doesn't matter what you believe. You can believe one way. You can believe any way you want. As long as you just love everybody, God doesn't care. If you love everybody, that's all they read. As long as you love everybody, that's, you can be a, hom you can be a homosexual. You can be whatever you want. You can steal. You can just love people. Well, you don't love people when you're stealing. You know what I mean. And I listened to that, and I, listen, I look at the people in the audience. This was many years ago, and, I, and I, this is on the Oprah Winfrey show. And the people, including Oprah, were sitting there clapping their hands. They were like, well, you know, I thought Jesus was kind of cool like that, you know. I, I thought that he was really cool and, and that, 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 that he didn't really care about all that. Lying wonders and deception. Because I may know that Jesus said that I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he said that nobody can come to the Father except through me. I mean, no, that's a pretty narrow way. 
In other words, you are not, you are not going to get to heaven by being good, doing whatever you want to do. You've got to come to Jesus. There is no other way to get to heaven. I don't apologize for it. I don't sugarcoat it. How many know we got to tell it like it is? You are not going to get into heaven unless you come through Jesus, period, exclamation point. Why? Because Jesus said it. God sent his son to die for the sins of the world. And there is no redemption outside of Christ. And so the enemy, he comes and he performs certain kinds of miracles and, he, and signs and people see this stuff and they think, oh, well, maybe that Bible's not really all that true. Or maybe there's just, you know, it's deception. Remember, he's master at deceiving and lying. That's what he does. He is also crafty. Second Corinthians 11, three says, reads like this. But I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness. So your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. The word crafty means very clever in concealing one aim or end. Lacking in straightforwardness and candor. You see, when the enemy wants to propose something to us, he's never straightforward. The devil is not going to come and knock on your door and say, how you doing? I'm the devil. I come to wreck your life today. He's not going to do it that way. He'll befriend you through other people. He'll be nice to you. He'll mow your lawn. He would take care of your dog. He'll do whatever he can to lure you away from the things of God and to lure you from the truth. How many know that we need to be people of the truth? In a culture today where people are saying that there is no absolute truth, how many know there is absolute truth? The Bible, the word of God is absolute truth, period. And who who is going to preach that? It's you and me. If we're not saying it, who's preaching it? The word of God is is our truth, is our absolute truth. Now, let's talk for a moment about his tactics. One of the tactics that the enemy used is he used people to undermine the purposes of God. Look at John. I think you might be already in John, chapter number 13, verse number 2. And you can write these down because I'm reading quite a bit of scripture today. But I thought I'd take a little time and just kind of teach you from the word. Is that okay? Amen. John, chapter 13. Look at verse number one. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from his this world and to be with the father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, Simon's son to betray him. Now, jump down at verse number twenty six. Jesus answered, it is he to whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Now, after the price of bread, Satan, after the piece of bread, Satan entered him. Then Jesus said to him, what you do, do quickly. Now, that's pretty powerful. Because. The Bible said that Satan having already entered into Judas. Now, contrary to what a lot of people think sometimes about the devil, there are some people think that the devil can just somehow just kind of take you over. 
How many know the devil just can't take you over? You have to, listen, you have to allow, you have to submit certain ground and territory to him. He, he just can't come over you and take over your life unless you open a door and you allow him. And so now Jesus is about to die on the cross and Judas Iscariot, who was one of the 12, was inspired by Satan. Satan had made a suggestion to Judas, to Judas and, and, and Judas went ahead with it. He flowed with it and probably he already was discontented in his own way. And so, you know, the devil used it and capitalized. And so the devil can put thoughts into our minds. How many of you have ever been driving down the road used to get an evil thought? Man, I ought to just go and just take them out. Where did that come from? Oh, you're sitting at the dinner table, you're just eating, all of a sudden you get this crazy. I'm like, wow. See, the devil is always trying to make suggestions to you. He, listen, he can't make you do anything. That's why you don't need to fear the devil. Just don't give him no place. The Bible says don't give place to him. But he will always come and he will try to make suggestions to you. He wants you to disobey God. And so he came to Judas. He made a suggestion. And you know what? Judas went with it. But Jesus knew exactly where he was because, see, he had trained his senses. And Jesus knew where the devil was at work. And he looks at Judas and he says, go and do what you got to do. Do it quickly. Jesus was not surprised about what the devil was doing. I believe that when you and I as Christians, as believers, the more time that we spend in God's presence and in his word, that listen to, listen to me, that we will develop a kind of sharpness where God will show us where the enemy is at work. I can't tell you how many times I've, you know, when I, I, I pray and I go to work, I go wherever in my normal deal is, and God has already shown me in my prayer time what's going to happen during the course of a day. Jesus was never surprised. He wants to reveal and he will reveal to us the schemes of the enemy if we take the time to seek him. Because I mean, no, he's coming after you. He's coming after you. The second point is that he provokes us to do things against the will of God. Look at that Genesis chapter number two. I, I, I'm sorry, Genesis chapter number three. We kind of alluded to this earlier. Everybody knows about this, this particular story of Adam and Eve. As we said, that Satan was kicked down out of heaven and he fell into the Garden of Eden at the beginning of creation. He came to deceive. And look what he does. He had an encounter with, with Adam and Eve. Verse number three. I'm sorry, chapter three, verse number one. Now the serpent was more cunning or crafty than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. We're talking about Satan. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of, a, of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God has said you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So the first thing that we understand about the devil is you can expect him to always cast doubt on the word of God. He came to Eve. He says, has did God really say that you can't do that? I mean, did, did God really say that? You can't have a little bit of fun with somebody else's wife. 
I mean, surely, you know, things are not going well at home, you know. I mean, God can't really expect you to, you know. Or did God really say that, you know, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together? I mean, God don't really care about you coming to church, you know. I mean, you don't have to come to church every day. You know, I can just stay home. You can, you can stay home and you can worship God. You don't have to go to church. Just stay right here. Has God really said not to get drunk? I mean, come on. Everybody deserves to get drunk every now and then. Drink yourself up. Get drunk. You deserve it. You've had a very difficult day. You see, he always come to cast doubt on the word of God. You can expect him to twist the word of God. First of all, when Satan comes to Eve, what did he say to her? He says, well, did God say you can't eat of every tree? Well, if you go back and look at Genesis chapter number two, God specifically told Adam, he says, of every tree you can eat except for one. But when Satan approaches her, he says, well, did God really say that you can't eat of every tree? He tried to twist the word of God. How many know that there's a movement out there where people try to twist the word of God to make it suit their own appetites? We can't take the word of God where it is. We we don't want to do that. And so what we try to do today in our culture, we, we try to twist the word of God. I don't like what the Bible says about this subject, so I'll go and I'll start my own religion. Or that is just your interpretation, sir. I'm going to do things my way. You see, the enemy is very crafty at twisting the word of God. Satan told her that she would not die if she ate the forbidden fruit. Always expect Satan, hear me well, if you listen, say amen. Here's what Satan does. Satan always wants to feature the forbidden thing. You ever notice that? He always wants to feature the thing that is forbidden by God. Because Satan knows that, remember, he comes, the Bible says that the thief comes, Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So his ultimate goal is to destroy and to kill you and make you ineffective for God. And so he comes in, and here's what he do. He offers you the forbidden thing. Well, why don't you just go ahead and take it? And for an example, he offers to the young guy or the young, the teenager, he says, hey, you know, why don't you do drugs and sell, or, or why don't you just sell drugs? You see, if you sell drugs, look at it, you can have a nice car like this. You can have some nice $200 sneakers. You can have all the, 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 the nice jewelry, but you can have all this. If you just come and just, you know, come out here and just sell a couple of these drugs, I mean, it's not going to, you're not bothering anybody. You see? He always come to tempt. He, but, but here's what he doesn't do. He doesn't reveal the consequences. He doesn't reveal the fact that when you live a life like that, how you're going to be running from the police half your life, you're going to be locked up behind bars, or, or the other drug dealer is going to be after you with a gun trying to snuff you out because there were some, some, mis, some misdealings with drug activity. Or, you know, he doesn't show you the woman who has been you know, or let's say, for example, he says, you know, he lures you. He says, well, why don't you just try crack, for example. Come on. You know, go ahead, try a little bit of crack, you know. It's all right. You know, you know uh, this feeling of euphoria, you never get it. It's like nothing else. And, you, you know, you deserve it. 
But you know what Satan never does? He never shows you what the end result of that is. He never shows you the mother that is so hooked on crack that she's lost. She's, she's lost 50, 100 pounds. She's down to 78 pounds. He never shows you, uh, you know, for example, the mother that takes their little baby out of her own womb and throw it in the garbage can, all for crack and drugs. Never shows you any of that. But what he does is he comes and he lures you. Because why? He want to pull you in. He want to suck you in. And so he comes and he says to you, come on, try this. Come on, do this. Come on, you know, come on, try this little immorality. You know, it's okay. Come on and fool around a little bit. But he don't show you all the hell that you got to go through now because your family has been ripped apart. He doesn't show you how children, how they live their lives because one of their parents wasn't home and all the stuff that they had to go through. Childhood is disrupted. He doesn't show you any of that. All he shows you is, hey, you can have a good time now. But you would do good to know. One of my prayers every day is, God, show me, not God, what is looks good to my eye, but show me what the real end result of that thing is. And you focus on that, and that will help to keep you in the right standing or in the right line with God. So he's always, he, no, another thing he does is he takes the word of God away from those who hear it. And this is in Mark chapter 4, verses 13 through 15. The Bible talks about how that when the word of God is sown, that Satan comes in immediately and snatches the word out of the heart, lest people believe. Now, how many of you have had family members you tried to witness to and tell them about the love of Jesus and they just wouldn't receive it? You know, one of the reasons is behind that is because you ever been there that you're standing right there and you're talking and you're sharing the love of God to them. And even as you're talking to them, Satan is telling them, you don't need this. You don't need to change your life. I mean, you can't give up A, B, and C, D. Why do you need to come to Jesus for what? Because the Bible says that Satan comes and he immediately snatched the word. What is he trying to do? He don't want them to come into relationship with Jesus Christ. So one of the biggest things, I prayed for many, many years for my sister who would not come to the Lord. I just kept praying and praying. And it got to a point the Lord just told, the Lord told me to just shut up. Because I felt like it was my duty to share the love of God. You got to listen. And finally, the Lord said, just shut up and trust me. Just pray. I prayed for my sister for a number of years. I would say three or four years. And then she called me one, one day on, I believe it was like on, a, on Easter. And she said, guess what? I said, what? I hadn't talked to her about the Lord in a while. She said, I just gave my life to Christ. I said, what? You did what? Because what God showed me was that sometimes something's only going to come through by prayer. Because the enemy, listen to me, the enemy knows what God is up to. And the Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So he's going to fight to keep people out of the kingdom. So there's some things or some breakthroughs we're only going to get as we pray and seek God. We're only going to get it as we pray to seek God. Satan also, he hinders our efforts. He hinders our efforts. 1 Thessalonians 2.18 says, Wherefore we would have come to you, even I once and again, but Satan hindered us. Sometimes Satan can hinder us. If you look at uh, Daniel chapter number 10, and we won't go there, 
But in Daniel chapter number 10, here it is that Daniel had been praying. He got a revelation from God. And Daniel decided to fast and pray for a period of about three weeks that God would give him the revelation to this vision that he had. And finally, the angel got to him 21 days later. And the angel said to Daniel, he said, Daniel, from the day one that you prayed, from the very first day that you prayed, God heard you, but the prince of Persia or an evil spirit hindered me. Sometimes what we're believing God for, when there is a delay, sometimes it just needs to be prayed through. Because sometimes the enemy, he comes, he'll hinder. Now, he can't stop what God has purposed. We all understand that. Whatever God has purposed, it will and shall come to pass. Nothing is going to stop that. But the enemy, he does, hinders what God wants to do. And so you may be thinking, well, you know, God, I've been praying for this for for so long. God, when are you going to move? God, I've been crying, God. I've been, I've been seeking you, God. I've done the right things, God. When are you going to move for me, God? When are you going to do this thing? That's why the Bible says that we're to pray. Some things only come through fasting and prayer, the scripture says. That we begin to pray and cry out to God. And then, you know, we have to pray it through. That's why we have Wednesday prayer every other Wednesday. Why do we do that? Because we know that we're really going to tap into what God has for us. There's some things we just got to pray through. You may be believing God for something right now. I don't know what it might be. But you know what? If you have been praying and God haven't answered yet, keep praying. Keep trusting because it could be. I'm not saying it's absolute. But it could be that it could be a demonic spirit. Or a spirit, because there's war in the heavenlies, that is hindering the answer from coming to you. Because Satan wants to do that. Because why do he want to do that? He want to get you discouraged. He want to get you to turn your back on God and say, you know what? This prayer stuff ain't working. It's not happening. So sometimes that happens. And so we just need to persevere in prayer. Amen? And then finally... There are some times that the devil binds us with afflictions. Let's look at the Luke chapter 13 in closing. Luke chapter number 13 in closing. Luke 13. Luke chapter number 13. Verses. Verse number 16. We start in verse number 10 for continuity's sake. Now he, being Jesus, was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity for 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, woman, you are loose from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, there are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered and said, hypocrite, does not each of you on the Sabbath day Loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it. 
So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it, for 18 years, be loose from this bond of affliction. There are some illnesses that happen because Satan attacks our body. Now, that's not to say that, you know, that every single illness is as a result of a spiritual attack. But there are some illnesses that come over you that, that, that Satan, he afflicts your body. For 18 years, the Bible says, Jesus said this woman was bound by Satan. She had went to every single doctor. She tried to get well. She tried to get healed. And, you know, it just, the problem wasn't addressed. And Jesus released her. And he said, this woman has been bound for 18 years. And so sometimes Satan afflicts our body. And what we need to do in those instances now, it, it will take somebody that's mature in the Lord, who's been in the Lord for a while, that when that kind of thing happens, that you can pray and you can rebuke the spirit of infirmity. But you can't get to a point that every single time that somebody is sick, it's a spirit of infirmity. Sometimes you're sick because you just didn't put a coat on. How many know that, kids? You just need to put your jacket on and you won't get sick. But there are some infirmities, some sickness that happens that as a direct result, what Satan will afflict on you. Because remember, he has an ultimate goal. He knows something is happening in the spirit realm. And in those kinds of instances, that's when you need to pray. You seek your leaders of your church and you pray. and say, you know what? I just don't know what this is. It's just that the doctors don't have an explanation for it. It just happened. We just got to pray that God would just break this thing. And this woman was loose of the spirit of infirmity that she had been bound by for 18 years. God delivered her. And so we understand that Satan has a, a whole lot of various tactics. I talked about some of them. There are many more. Obviously, we can't cover all of them. But we understand that the enemy, he does have tactics. And you and I need to come up with a counterattack. And you got to ask yourself the question this morning. So when the enemy comes and he tries to make suggestions to me, or he tries to get me to do things that I know that God doesn't want me to do, how would you respond when that happens? How, how, how are you going to respond? Many of us don't have a plan of attack. We just kind of say, well, let's kind of see what happens when it happens. But we need to be prayed up. We need to have a plan. If you're struggling in an area of your life, then you need to have a plan on terms of how you're going to address that so that you won't allow the enemy to tempt you in that area no more. Develop a plan. Just like Tom Brady, they develop a plan before he attacked the opposing defense. You need to develop a counter plan, a counter attack against the attacks of the enemy. And you need to know that we have already won. But listen, now we just need to walk in our victory on a regular basis. Amen? Bow your head and close your eyes when we pray. Father, we thank you.